Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast. For each week, we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Above the Bar podcast. It's your host, Sean. We have bellied up to the bar on this. If you're in the upstate New York area, it is a chilly spring night. Uh, we actually had to cover our plants because it's going to get like to 32 degrees tonight in May. Um, we all know how much I love that weather here in New York. But so if you're joining us tonight, we've bellied up to the bar tonight. You're talking about something. And I realized this is like episode, somebody will correct me, like 177 or 178 in all the episodes we've done. And we've done exonerees for crimes that they did not commit. We've done all those things. We've never talked about true crime. Never. It's never happened. It's never been something we've discussed. Not that I didn't find it interesting. Uh, I tell you all the time, my, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, Ebar Thunes, the Serial Killer Podcast. I love that show. But we've never done it. So putting a little spice in our life here to pepper things up for us. You know, coming to us from from the wide world world of wide wide world of Texas, we've got with us real true crime writer, and she gives it a little bit of a twist because of what we got going on here. We've got bellying up to the bar with us tonight, Miss Pepper Ann. Look at that! You got claps and everything, Pepper. Hi, exciting. Thank that, you. Thank you for having me, by the way. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I appreciate you coming out. Uh, I, I did, did a little bit of my uh, pre-reading and everything. And uh, for anyone that, that this just doesn't kind of go, are we serious? Like, and, and want to grab grab your book uh, and say, well, I need to know more. I, I'd be very surprised at it. So before we get too far, and I don't want to give anything away, let's go ahead and get our house cleaning done here. As always, if you've got something you're supporting, maybe you wrote your own book yourself, you've got a podcast you're promoting, you've got a bar, restaurant, I don't care what it is. If you've got a paintball team that you support, if you reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, even our email, it's all the above the bar podcast. Reach out. Let me know what you got going on. I'll tell you where where to send the uh, sticker to. You send me the sticker live on the air. I will read that for everyone to hear about. It's free advertisements for, for you. It gets people to know who you are. That is sticker and a cause. Also, we got to talk about our, our, our newest sponsor here, Budget Blinds of East Greenbush. They're offering custom window coverings at affordable prices. They have a knowledgeable team providing excellent customer service and experience to help you find perfect blind shade shutters drapes to fit your style and budget and to stay up to date on the latest products and you know what the other thing i just learned this pepperins with these guys you know what shutters are you know shutters in your uh-huh. people have shutters in their home uh-huh. you know at least here in new york i know it's here in new york and in my area those are considered as capital improvements on your home i didn't realize that you know it just bought a new home in October and I did not know that. So if you went and contacted your local budget blinds and said, Hey, I want mm-hmm. shutters here in New York, you don't pay sales tax on those. And because they're a capital improvement, you can claim them on your taxes because they're a capital improvement on your home. 
and they increase the value of the, your home because they're considered as a permanent fixture. That's awesome. So look, folks, reach out to make sure you reach out to budget blinds of East Greenbush and you let them know you're there to belly up to the bar and they're going to give you a 10% discount just for reaching out to them. Oh, and they have a five-year NQA, no questions asked warranty, meaning if, if you're a true crime writer <laughs> and you need to make sure that your blinds are always shut tight and something happens to one of those blinds in the first five years, you can call them and just say, hey, I need this one replaced. And you don't even have to tell them why, because somebody threw a rock through your window that says back off or something like that. You don't have to tell them that that's what happened to your shutter and they'll just come out and replace it. Or if you're a criminal, but don't tell them you're a criminal. <laughs> you're a criminal. Everybody needs them, right? <laughs> Everybody needs them. So again, folks, reach out to Budget Blinds of East Greenbush. Tell them that you're there to belly up to the bar and they're going to give you a 10% discount. So are we all set now, Ms. Pepperan? Absolutely. That's awesome. I didn't know that about the uh, the blinds, but that's cool. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Shutter, shutters is one, one of those things from talking to those folks where I was like, so you just put the, because the, they are a little, look, they're, they're wood, they're composite materials, they're a little yeah. bit pricier, but you benefit for them because they're, you know, if you're look, I tell people all the time after I learned about that, if you're looking for like a, in the grand scheme of inexpensive ways to increase the value of your home or that, appeal and you're getting ready to sell that's an easy one to go for is just just do that but uh as we get started here, if you're finding us through pepper and make sure you take a moment like follow share send this out to everyone you know so that they can see what's going on and they can know what's happening so let me see if i can give a good reader's digest version of your story so if i screw it up you tell me i've screwed it up okay so, so you find out now, you didn't grow up with this relative. Make sure I, I understood it. You didn't grow up with that. Mm -mm, no. You find out that you have a relative currently uh, as a permanent resident of uh, the Texas State Correctional Facilities mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. who's serving 14, are they, I don't know if it's, well, 14 consecutive life sentences. For, yeah, they're stacked. Uh-huh. Yes. So they're consecutive. He has to they're finish consecutive. Mm -hmm. 14 mm -hmm. consecutive life sentences for kidnapping and obviously felony aggravated assault. Mm -hmm. And you decide, well, I want to know more. Mm -hmm. Now, now, how far can we use the, his name? Of course. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yes. So Bob, you know, you can't spell it wrong. It's pretty easy to spell. Um, how like, did you know Bob at any point in time? Was he ever involved in your life? Anything? Or was it more like you're sitting around Thanksgiving and grandma's like, just so you know, Bob's at 13 life sentences now. Like, how does this even come up in family conversation? Okay. Well, actually what happened was um, my, my grandpa passed away in um, goodness back in 2000, <clears throat> excuse me. I think it was in 2006. And my mom had told me, she said, you know, we are related to a cattle rustler. That's when all the stuff comes out, right? <laughs> and the, yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, well, okay. And I'm thinking this is back, you know, in the early 1900s, but right, right. no, this is very recent. And actually what started the conversation is because she saw Bob's dad at my grandpa's funeral. <laughs> and 
his, his name is Marvin and Marvin and my mom are first cousins. And so okay. she said that that's your cousin, my cousin Marvin over there. He's your cousin. He has a son who's in prison. And I, huh? He would be your third cousin. I guess so. I don't know. You know how people start, they say, well, they're once removed and second. I don't know how that. I don't know that part. I know if my mom's cousin is her first cousin, they're my second cousin. Uh -huh. Their kid would be my mom's second cousin and my third cousin. So Bob would, Bob and I are third cousins. That's the way I would say it. Bob would be okay. your third cousin. Okay. Okay. Well, it was always explained to me. Okay. No, well, we'll go with what you, <laughs> we'll go with what you know. Cause I don't have a clue. I just know he's a relative. I know he's a cousin. I'd like to remove him, but anyhow. Um, so my mom told me, she said, yeah, he, um, he's cattle wrestler and <clears throat> he's in prison. And she said, made that statement to me several times. And I said, okay, mom, I got it. <laughs> got it. So I learned a little bit more about the story and I actually went online and I read articles because he was involved in the jail escape in Sherman, Texas with four other individuals. And, and they, Grayson five. that's a Grayson County five. Oh, Grayson County five. Okay. Grayson County five. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I went online and I read about it and I thought, well, why is he the only one who's behind bars? Um, all of the Grayson County five, all, all of the inmates that broke out of the jail with him were in prison or were incarcerated. But I wanted to know about the uh, cattle wrestling. I wanted to know about everything prior to that jail escape because it was a huge story. And yeah. once I started digging, then I started uncovering a big crime ring here in the state of Texas. Yeah. And so that's what sparked my interest. And... This, then the story got very interesting from there. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so a lot of people, I think, love the idea of true crimes. But you and I have talked about this a little bit. This isn't so, you know, glam of like, hey, I listened to such and such podcast and, or this show. And they were like, or 48 hours where they're like, the first 48 hours are the most important. It's like, it's not like it you're going through this and kind of like, this was like, shut up lady. We don't want to talk to you. Get away from me. Well, there were a lot of people who did talk to me. There were a lot of them. Um, let me tell you, um, first off, I was able to talk to law enforcement. There were some individuals in law enforcement who didn't want anything to do with me because I'm related to Bob and I was very upfront with them. Okay. Um, the Texas Rangers, <laughs> they didn't want anything to do with me and that's fine. I didn't want anything to do with them either. Um, as it turned out, one of the Rangers um, was getting a little too friendly with one of the ladies Bob <laughs> was messing around with. Oh, really? Or that's what she said. That's what she said. So I thought, well, that's okay. Not all of them, not all of them, but one of them. And I thought, well, something's not right. Uh, but but a majority of the people did talk to me. Um, family friends, people that knew Bob that grew up with him, uh, the victims, the victims were just amazing. I became very close to a lot of them. Bob was involved in the shootout at the very end of the book. I talk about that. Um, he held uh, a married couple hostage in their home for eight hours while he was uh, involved in a shootout with law enforcement. He ended up releasing that married couple. I became very close to that family. Wow. Very close to him. So the people that didn't want to talk, 
were the ones that I was exposing. Everybody else, uh, it was free reign. Yeah. So. Well, you said he's like a, like a legit, you know, old school Texas desperado, you know, that that old school like, you know, cattle rustler stick up man. He was like he was legit old school when we think of those movies like uh one 310 to, to Yuma or one of those movies where it's like these are old school you know Texas gangsters desperados like you said I don't know any other way that you put it best in, in the book and now throw this out there somebody sitting there going well oh where can I find this obviously pepper has her own website pepper Ann, and it's Ann with an e at the end of it author.com uh any other is it on Amazon and all those spots too it is all over the place. You know what? It's in libraries all over the U.S. And nice. if you go to the library and they don't have it, I'm going to ask you to please request it because I want my book everywhere. I want people who, if they want to read the book and they're thinking, well, I don't know if I want to spend the money on this. I want them to be able to have access to it. So it's in libraries. If it's not in yours, request it. Um, it's online anywhere. You can type in the title of it, The Notorious Texas Swindler. You can get it on Amazon, Walmart, Target, Barnes & Noble. I mean, anywhere books are available online. My book is available. Um, it's even available internationally. So it's all so, over the place. But I, I kind of what what's got me curious, because I've listened to a lot of things. You always it, it always sounds like whenever you listen to true crime stuff the the antagonist in this the you know whoever was committing the crimes seemed to have a common backstory what was you know can you share a little bit about you know bob growing up i mean if you're talking about his dad is your mom's first cousin i mean that's a pretty you know simple way of, of saying like you know you have an idea of how they grew up so how did he grow up i mean he's it sounds like probably close to, to your age, even. Well, Bob's older than I am. He really? is, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's 59, he'll be 60, uh, December 17th. We're not talking about, not talking about a guy yeah. in the late 80s who's like, this was, right. you know, he's still, you know, let's be honest, you know, he's a fairly young, not almost a young, young, but you know, he's yeah. you know, uh, he's still less than retirement age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. He's, he's still young enough to be, it, it's surprising to know that this is still going on today. Right. Yeah. And someone in this day and age is still young enough to be pulling this. He's not, right. like you said, he's not 80 or 90. Um, yeah. So, okay. Well, here's what I know. <laughs> and boy, my family was talking. Um, so <laughs> let, me, let me tell you about them. That you know, Let me tell you about them. You know how you know a story is real because if you're writing about a family member, just let a family member write it. They're going to tell you everything. Let yeah. Me you. Let me tell. It always starts the same way. Well, let me tell you. And that's how it started. It did. <laughs> okay, so Bob. Okay, um, Bob was raised differently than the rest of us. Um, obviously, <laughs> uh, we so we we have. We, we do have a few outlaws in the family and Bob is one of them. Um, but he was just raised differently. And that's mostly why I and most of the people in my generation didn't really know about him because he, he, he was in the life of crime and 
majority of us weren't. Um, but the way he grew up, his parents divorced. He was probably eight or 10 years old and um, his father got custody of him. Uh, when they were going through the divorce hearing, the everything, you know, um, the judge had questioned, you know, Bob, because when he asked him questions, they seemed really grandiose. They were bigger than they should have been for someone his age. And so he kind of questioned it. He said, I want to have him checked. I want him to see a doctor. And as it turned out, Bob, uh, it the doctor had said that he had believed Bob was a compulsive liar um, and that he uh, he needed to seek treatment because if he hadn't, he could have gone down a path of destruction like he has. And neither parent took him, uh, you know, for the treatment. And so that's kind of what happened. Then he just, uh, they, they got divorced. His dad got custody. Um, and then he, you know, he would see his, mom and i mean you know how that works you know oh, yeah. um and then he just as he got older so when he was probably about 14 or 15 years old his dad marvin had gotten into criminal mischief and um he had stole some cattle medicine from the ranchers that he was working for and so that's kind of where bob that's exactly where bob picked it up from was his father and then he just went he got involved in so many things he shouldn't have, but his, his rearing, it was not, it, it wasn't good. I mean, obviously he didn't have that support that most kids do, or you think they, they should, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, now again, I'm a kid from East Baltimore who, if you told me you stole cattle metal medicine, I'd be like, what? Like, like I, that doesn't even register in my head. Like what would somebody steal? And I know we're talking about his dad at this point, but like <laughs> help me out here to understand how someone would, would steal cattle medicine. So the cattle medicine, it was for like the vaccinations and things for the cattle. So oh. when they would get the cattle in at the ranch, they would brand them and they would, uh, they, they give them the medication, you know, the medicines, and then they put them out, whatever they were doing with them, whatever the rancher wanted to do with them. So the med medicines were expensive. So Marvin and several other of the ranch hands were stealing it and they were reselling it. Oh, okay. Others, yeah, where they could buy it at a cheaper price. Um, and then Bob had gotten into that a little bit. Well, Bob's dad, Marvin, was fired and asked to leave the ranch that he was working at. And Bob was allowed to stay on working there. And he did. And then Bob got caught taking some cattle from the ranch and they asked him to leave. Um, they did press charges against Marvin, but they didn't press charges against Bob. They just told Bob to leave. And then that's when Bob got, that's when Bob ended up going to Comanche County. And then he got involved with a DPS state trooper. And then that's when the cattle wrestling really began. That's when he started getting involved my good friend Nate says they, I guess they cover this on Yellowstone about stealing the medicine. I've never watched Yellowstone, Nate, so I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I've never seen it either. I don't know anything about Yellowstone. <laughs> I've seen a lot of good memes from it. It's not one I know. So, so Bob goes to this Cherokee County, gets involved with a trooper, mm -hmm. and, and the rustling starts. But he also 
he gets involved in a pretty good good side. Now, is it him and that person that's do the larceny scheme, or like where does that come in? Because I mean, he's involved in all. Look, listen, folks, if you want to look Pepper Ann's book, listen to me. It's the notorious Texas swindler. Bob did some shit that like just doesn't doesn't compute where you're like what like where and if i'm jumping too far ahead from the trooper to the larceny like is that is he is the trooper part of the larceny like where does that all fit in because that to me i was like like okay so million dollar larceny schemes and like (laughs) no the million dollar larceny scheme didn't start until bob got married to the uh, woman who uh he pulled all that with before he did so so he moved to comanche county which is in comanche texas um when he moved there, um, he got tangled up with a DPS state trooper who approached him and said, let's wrestle some cattle. So they did. DPS. A DPS Texas state trooper. What's, mm-hmm. the, what's DPS? What's Department this? of Public Safety. Okay. Texas Department of Public Safety. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so he got involved in that and he tried to get out of it, but he couldn't. He was, and, and Bob was probably 19 i mean he was he was young he didn't know well i mean (laughs) he knew he knew better but he was a kid and he he couldn't get out of it and to be honest with you i don't know if he if he had the chance i don't know if he would have you know because he was making so much money more money than he'd ever seen in his young life right um so anyway so that comes to an end and um the DPS state trooper ended up threatening to have Bob killed if he didn't lie on the stand. And he told him, he said, if you don't tell the judge I wasn't involved, I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to have, I'm going to have you killed. So um, the individuals who paid the bonds for Bob when he was going through that in the court system are the individuals that he got tangled up with and he ended up rustling millions of dollars of cattle with and those are the individuals that i'm exposing they are the ones involved in the crime ring here in texas that i'm exposing and they're still today committing crimes and and that hasn't you know i I, you can't just look pepper in you can't just gloss over the fact where you're like i'm exposing them this isn't just like pulling back the sheets and being like look what i found everybody this isn't you know the the mystery the mystery wagon and you know Scooby Doo pulling the mask off and going look you like you've had some folks uh, use let's say strong words uh, to let you know how you may want to choose another activity uh, for your day to day that would be much more healthier for you am I saying it in a, as as an easy and as soft of a way as I can or would it just be easier to say people have threatened your physically and your health and your life and your family if you don't just shut your mouth and back off which one I mean we can go with either one I think the second one fits it yeah um <laughs> so it took me 12 years to write the story right because um, I had to rewrite it multiple times three times because the individuals I exposed hacked into my computer and deleted my work. And in the process, they uh, loosened the leg nuts on mine and other family members tires. Oh shit. And so (laughs) they wanted, they wanted me to stop and I didn't, I wouldn't, you know, with it's family. I mean, I, 
the one thing that Bob has always wanted is he's wanted others to know that he's not the only one that should be sitting behind bars. I can see that. And I wanted to put a stop to it. So once I started digging, I realized, hey, this the woman that Bob ended up marrying who got involved in this with him, she pulled him back into it. Um, she was overseeing all the financial aspects of everything of the cattle rustling. She was overseeing a party ranch that the two of them had. And Which she was, ranch? so they had a party ranch. So what it was is they, they um, offered uh, country lifestyle amenities. Come on out and enjoy, you know, the ranch style amenities for the weekend, horseback uh, riding, picnics, everything. And uh, then city slickers, the movie city slickers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, it convinced them to do some, do a little bit of everything and then catch them in uncompromising positions, take pictures of them, and then <laughs> tell them when the weekend was over, here's what I got, pay up or let's talk. Let's. So we had that going on. And then she was setting up extramarital affairs for Bob to have. And they were both stealing money from the women that he was screwing. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, All that ended. So um, when it did, so today she's actually overseeing the finances of a worldwide adoption agency. And so when I uncovered that, I said, that's it. That's it. We're going to bring these people down, whatever we have to do. So that's why I wrote the book. I wanted people to see he's not the only one. You know, right. he should have been stopped and he was, but he's not the only one. Right. And, and he's not sitting there saying, I'm innocent. I no. was framed. None of those things. No. And, and look, if you're out here watching this with Pepper Ann and I, and you have questions about this, and you're sitting there going, this doesn't make any sense. Or what about this? What about that? Please, you know, send us uh, a question. I love my Nate. Nate always has the best question. Th this is going to be one of our left turns that we may have talked about. Okay. Nate needs to know you're in Texas. Beans and chili, yes or no? <sighs> Yeah, my family puts beans in chili. <laughs> I don't know. Some people do. Some people don't. We do, but you don't have to. <laughs> beans and chili also, Nate. But but yeah, if you're out here and you're and you're watching Pepper Ann right now and you have questions, even if you think you know the story already, you've read the books, it, let us let us know. Or you've you've got look. If you're one of these people that was in that story, ask your question. Pepper Ann's here right now. I'm here right now. Ask your question. I, I I'll ask it for you. But you know so. He's just really, you know, as, as you're telling us, he just wants to be, you know, he's not trying to go down this road by himself, which is interesting because, and this is why I say interesting. And you tell me how your thoughts on this, <clears throat> the American mindset right. is we, we've always glorified the outlaw. We've mm -hmm. always done that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a reason that Al Capone, Bonnie and Clyde. We'll go with Texas there for one. There's Bonnie and Clyde. Mm -hmm. You know, any of those, even to, you know, the serial killers that are out there, we have glorified their lives. And if they were criminals and they got caught and they were part of a group, we also bastardized them for wanting to, you know, hey, these other guys didn't get caught. They, You weren't as smart as they were. We bastardized them for that. In this process, obviously, I know you you're trying to expose this story and this is a family story and, and get Bob's story out there. But going through this and having growing up in that American culture, what are some of your feelings on 
the duality of that where, you know, culture says, hey, snitches get stitches. But, hey, this is a man who other people committed these crimes also. They should be part of this also. <clears throat> well, that's probably a question better asked for the guards and the prisons. Um, <laughs> they've never seen anything like me before, I'm sure. Uh, or maybe they have. Um, when I would go in to see Bob in the prisons, I would jump all over him and say, you knew better than what you were doing. Um, coming from a family member, I'm thinking, why didn't somebody say something? Why didn't somebody stop him? I don't know that they could have. So I, you know, we, we've had visits where <laughs> the guards have asked me, are you okay? <laughs> you want more time with him? Yeah, I do. I want you to let me back there so I could strangle him. He knew better than what he was doing. So yeah, I've, I've, um, I've, I've, um, I see the side where the victims come from. I sympathize with them. I've become very close to them. Um, I've had conversations with Bob and, and he's told me, he said what I did was wrong. Yeah, it is. It's not something that we need to, people don't need to sensationalize on it. Although I can't help but wonder if he, if he thinks, and he probably does because he's done a lot. You know, he's probably thinking, boy, I did all this. I've done all this. And, you know, like you said, he's he's 59. Right. He's lived the life of like four men, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's still alive. Nobody's killed him yet. If I get my hands around him, he may not last long. But he, <laughs> I just, you know, I, I guess the reason I get angry sometimes when I think about it is because he's so smart. He's so intelligent. He could have done so much more with his life. Well, that, that they always that. say is, you know, those are the ones, their intellect, their, their level of intelligence is what gets them in trouble. Yeah. Is that, yeah. and you, you, you kind of hinted at something and I, and I just thought about this is you didn't grow up with Bob. You didn't know Bob mm -hmm. growing up. So what was that like the first time here you are showing up at, you know, Hotel Texas, and you're like, hey, I'm here to talk to you. Here's who I am. Like, what was his reaction initially? Well, his first reaction, when I found out, I wrote him a letter. I was kind of nervous okay. about it because I didn't really know. I, I didn't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> one of our aunts worked in the jailhouse, uh, in a little tiny town that was about as close to jail that I'd ever come to. And here I am writing somebody in prison. I know I'm related to him, but it's, it's a little nerve wracking, you know? So I wrote him a letter and I said, uh, I'm going to need you to put me on your visiting list. I'm going to come in there and I don't need any problems. And I want to talk to you about the story. Uh, so you go ahead and add me. And, uh, and he did, he did. He was, um, <laughs> yeah, our family is pretty, pretty blunt. Um, he was, he was happy to hear that he'd had more family because he didn't know about any of us. And so when he heard that I wanted, yeah, when he heard that I wanted to tell the story, he was kind of relieved because somebody was finally going to tell the truth. They were going to tell what really happened. Um, and I, you know, 
I think when when he got that letter, he just he felt relief because the individuals that I've exposed, they've continued to taunt him. They still send him letters. They still threaten him. Still, still to this day. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And I put some of that stuff in the index of the book. I said, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do this. And he's all, he was all for it. He still is, you know, well, at this point for him, you know, you're, you're serving yeah. 14 consecutive life sentences. Yeah. Honestly, like everything in your life goes on the, who gives a shit channel and yeah. you've got nothing to lose at that point. I'll explain this here in a moment. This will make way more sense. Does Bob need a haunted doll? This is going to make sense to you because Lisa Marie just popped up and she has 60 haunted dolls. She has her own podcast and um, she be, she says she would be happy to share one if he needs one while he's there to, to keep him company. I don't know if he needs one. <laughs> I, I can't answer that for him. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> That would be, I don't think anybody that Lisa keep all your haunted dolls. No one <laughs> you can, can we send one to his ex-wife? Can we haunt we her? Go. We could look, we'll send uh, I, I have more. Oh, she said she has more now. Okay. Uh, we can <laughs> there you go. Reach out to Pepper Ann at pepperannauthor.com. You reach out to her, Lisa Marie, and she'll you and Art can have a conversation about maybe where one could be relocated to. I'll get them out to all the people that need re-homing. them. Yeah. We'll, re-homing. we'll call it rehoming. <laughs> I'll so, rehome those dolls. Re-homing yeah. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you for asking. <laughs> oh, look, there you go. I'll let you read that. I'll let you go ahead and read that thank one. Thank you. That's awesome. That's what we want. We've got to stop this woman. She's wicked. She's not the only one, though. But yeah, thank you. <laughs> now, our friends at uh, My Art Kit which is an amazing product folks. I tell people about this all the time. If you have a family member, like you're trying to save memories and people are like, Oh, well I got them on Google or something like that. Listen, if you put it on Google and you don't touch it for a couple of years, Google deletes it. It's a data holding system. If you reach out to the folks at my arc, it, they'll have, they have a program where you can save memories. You can set up information to be sent up. So like, I don't, does Bob have any kids? He does. He so, has, he does. Yeah. He has, uh, he has one who uh, has kind of uh, kind of separated himself from everything for obvious <laughs> reasons. Yeah, which which I, is understandable. Yeah. So this yeah. is something that, like, if Bob wanted to send a message and o- have it open at a certain time, the my arc it, you can put it in there, record a message, and then have it sent to to them with a will not open until this point date to it. So it's very it's and it ne- they never delete all the information is held forever on a server that this is for that person. So that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, sending evil things, Lisa can help. Look at this. You're all look these folks. Look, my people's is getting involved now. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Lisa, Lisa says <laughs> I right. know I shouldn't be coming out here asking for this, but listen, you read that book and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's mind boggling to me because yeah. I mean. You know, and really, if you think about it, a guy with with 14 consecutive life sentences, you know, what are you going to do? Shave his head and put him in a room in a box forever. There's nothing that you can do at that point. You know, freedom, freedom is something he will never see. And, you know, the Texas legal system has never been one that's known as a uh, forgiving system Mm -hmm. that looks at things and says, hey, maybe this is a little too much. It's everything. But, you know, you also talk about 
you know, I, I'm very curious. You know, he said he held a, a husband and wife for eight straight hours during a gunfight, you know, with the police, you know, imagining that was his, the last hurrah before, before going to jail for the, for this time. And I love you, Lisa. Lisa just said she shared it out to everybody. Thank you, Lisa. Um, and the thing about it is, is like, you've become friends with some of these folks. How do you even approach somebody and say, Hey, I want to talk to you about your story. By the way, that's my cousin. Like, how does that conversation even begin? Well, um, what do you even tell them? Like, how long do you wait to tell them? I told them right away. I okay. told everybody. I wanted to be very upfront with everyone because, look, you know, this is big and there were a lot of people affected. And I don't want to go into um, any situation without people knowing who I am and what I'm doing because that's the least I can do. You know what I mean? Um, and if they don't want anything to do with me, I understand. I back away. But I didn't have that. People were awesome with me. So Bob, so there were two of them, Bob and one of the other fugitives that was with him that broke out of the Grison County Jail in Sherman. Both of them were holding Vincent and Irma hostage. And Vincent and Irma were the, they were the couple. <laughs> I don't talk about them very often publicly because it's very emotional for me. But um, Irma was, Irma had had experience working in jails before, so she knew how to get Bob's attention and she did. And as far as I'm concerned, law enforcement were the heroes, but she was the real one. She was the heroine of the story because she was inside. She knew how to talk to Bob and she said, we need to, we need to end this. We need to, we need to bring this to an end. And because she was in there able to talk to Bob Bob got on the phone and talked to the Rangers and everyone and said, we want to end this. We want to stop. Now, his compadre that was in there was taunting and threatening Vincent and Irma. And he had threatened Vincent many times. And there were, and, and it says in the book um, where he'd wanted to kill Vincent. Um, but he didn't. Obviously. Now, with names of Vincent and Irma, they weren't a young, they weren't younger folks with a name like Vincent and Irma. I can't imagine they were in their, they were spry in their twenties and thirties, you know. They were the most adorable couple, and I will not share Irma's age at the okay. time, Fair but enough. I will say this: I will say this. She was, she was very active, and she had a family that adored her. She was. Um, she was, she was, she, well, she was in her 60s. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. But the, all right, she, fair enough. But I mean, she, I mean, with those names, you know, Vincent yeah. and Irma, I mean, you're, you're not like, well, those are pretty modern names. That's not Steve yeah. and Joanne. You know, it's where you kind of go, eh, it could be anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Vincent yeah. and Irma have a time frame for those names. Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> they do. Um, but they uh, they were just amazing with me. So when I when I reached out to him, I called him on the phone and I said, hey, you know, this is who I am. Can I set up a time to do a phone interview? And I got I got Irma and she said, yes, we can do this. And so we did. And then I then Vincent came on the phone and we we did this. And then it became where I would go see them. Well, 
Irma ended up passing, so I wasn't able to actually meet her in person, but I became very close to Vincent and all their kids. And I probably shouldn't share this, but I'm going to. <laughs> they probably would get a kick out of it. They're so much like my family. They're so much like mine and Bob's family. And so I felt so comfortable around them. It's awesome. But the first time, no, second, second or third time I went back to see him. Everybody was around, all the kids, grandkids, everybody. And I thought I got to break the ice. I need to let I need to let him know where I stand. And I told him, I said, nobody in our family would have been mad if y'all would have shot and killed Bob Harold uh, or Gant for coming in like they did. Yeah. And they just they they knew. They knew they could talk to me. Right. <laughs> they knew that I didn't, I, you know, obviously wasn't on Bob's side um, for what he did. And they, and they got it. Um, they knew they were talking to a sane person. Maybe that's <laughs> the best way to say it. <laughs> um, but Bob actually, he and Irma communicated. They, uh, up until she passed, they wrote letters to one another. Wow. And even Vincent and yeah. So Bob. But I told him, I said, you do not assume they want to hear from you. You write them and you ask them if it's okay for them, for you to write them. And I said, don't you, don't just assume because you, I said, I'm welcome in their home. You're not, but I am. You just, you know, you just went on in. I, I didn't do that. So, so and then they. Edward, Bob, in a, in a way, I, I, it really, you know, it, it's, it sounds odd to say it that way but you've almost mentored him in the sense of, I don't have another way of putting it, but how to be an adult. He didn't have that rearing. Have and that. I get so mad at him. And I think that's why the four guards. <laughs> and I agree with Nate. This, this so has a movie vibe to it, you mm -hmm. know, just hearing cause, cause so much of this is as I'm listening to you, you're like, this is, this is real. Like, this is, you know, you know, Utah cattle rustling. If you live on the East Coast, I don't, you know, we have more, we have plenty of cattle, but we have more pig farms than anything on the East Coast, I think. But, but I mean, just to hear stuff like that and to hear shootouts and, you know, just all this stuff. Um, as you're, you know, now this book took 12 years and I don't want to take away, away, away from, from this book in any way, shape or form, but uh, I'll let you correct me if I'm wrong. And again, folks, you can check out pepperannauthor.com. Also, if you just go into any of your social media and you just do at pepperann and that's Ann with an E at the end, she'll pop up. You'll see uh, um, an avatar photo of Pepperann. You can see what she's got going on. The book, The Notorious Texas Swindler. But correct me if I'm wrong, that's not where you've stopped at. Like that story, you've started looking into other true crime stories. Do I have that correct? Mm -hmm. You do. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I've, I've had a few of them kind of come, you know, to my attention and a few of them I thought I was going to do. And then I decided not to, but there's one that's local that I'm doing. It's an older, it was based back in the fifties uh, and it's safe. <laughs> I won't have anybody coming after me. Um, and so that, that's, that's the next one I think I'm going to work on. Any, any hints about about that one? What, what what's the the basis of that? Any hints? Uh, well, it was um, it was about a uh, it was about a college student who was murdered in Texas. Yeah, 
and uh, it's it's uh, like I said, it's a local story, and it was um, it, it was it was exciting. And now, so here's the thing: um, it, it's been solved, obviously. But what I want to do when I write, I want to tell a side of the story no one's heard, or I want to bring out points that no one's heard. So I thought this would be great um, to to write about, and the people locally they might be able to, they, they might learn a little bit of the history about the town, about the city, because it actually, um, I'm, not, I'm not too far from a, from a local college, and it brought, uh, a, the individual's mother brought a lot of money into the college because she was a teacher. And so it's kind of interesting. It's, got, you know, it's just, it's a local history. Um, well, I, I just, so the true crime thing, like I said, I think it fascinates a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, and I would love to know the the why behind this. There's probably some somebody out there. And Roger, you you Roger asked this question just as I was asking it. Any any follow up books? Um, I I always wonder, like, and I, I'm curious of the process that if you can share anything about a process if somebody's like. Hey, I know a true crime story. I, I want to write about it, but I don't know how to get into it. I'm curious about that. But I'm also curious, do you have a theory about why women find true crime way more interesting, I believe, than men? As a man, like I don't watch the ID channel. I have no interest in it. If you don't know what the ID channel is, folks, that's the one that has all the true crime stories on it. I'm not watching those things. I I really have no interest in it. And I think it's kind of a guy thing to be like, yeah, that's kind of cool. The serial killer guy's cool or the mobster's kind of cool. But the story of the boyfriend who was, you know, lived married to five women, you know, and secretly poisoning them all. We have no interest in that. What do you think? (laughs) Do you know the stories I'm talking about? Like I do that end up on uh, a life as my wife, my wife, I'll tell you funny. I love my wife. Um, you, know, you know the Lifetime channel? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're used, they had uh, one called LFM or LM. Yes. And when we were dating and she goes, well, I'm going to watch, you know, she's like, you don't watch LFM? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't know what that is. She goes, Lifetime for men. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you mean the Lifetime movie channel? And she goes, what and my wife used to always say that that's what what it was so we laugh all the time now she she just refers to it as lifetime for men but what do you think the the infatuation comparably is i know it's funny you'll pickle me here in a little bit but i will say this she's trying to she's trying to convince you it's a good channel women love it she's trying to convince you to watch it she's thinking you'll watch it and you'll like it hey that's great you'll love it's like saying you'll love uh the spike when spike was a channel it was all men shows and, you know, the, yeah. man, the man show that ended with women, <laughs> women in bikinis jumping on trampolines. Look, Pepper Andrew, you'll love it. It's a great show. It's quite <laughs> funny. You're going to be like, I'm not watching this garbage. I'm not going to watch that. I'm going to watch that. That's for guys. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to watch it. You know, I'll sit down and watch the burning bed with you. How about that? We'll go that far. <laughs> I would know what the burning bed is. Um, but but what do you think the difference in infatuations there is? Well, I don't know. You know, I've had a lot of ladies reach out to me who've read the book and they've told me they love watching the ID channel and their husbands are like, why are you doing this? Well, <laughs> I think 
I, I'm, I'm going to say for myself, I don't know about all the other ladies in the world, but I, I can't help but think that we love solving cases because women are very intuitive. You know, we see something, we remember it and something just, you know, if you think about it, a mother-in-law or a mother is going to tell you something's not right about that person. Something's not right. Have you, has your mom, has your mom ever done that? Oh, yeah. Look, I'm actually the one that normally says to people like, uh, my gut tells me something ain't right here. Looks uh -huh. like it acts like a duck. Let's move on. Uh huh. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. So, well, I've noticed for myself and most of the ladies that I know, we're very in tune with things. If something seems out of sort or doesn't make sense, that's why we're drawn to those shows because they give us look they give us something to look for they give us more insight of what someone's doing we know what to watch for if the case is solved that's even that's bread and butter right there if it's not and there's a a chance we can solve it that's just exciting now i don't know about everybody else but that's probably the ladies in my life and i would probably agree that's what it's about i gotta blow your spot up there for a second pepper in okay you're so intuitive you wouldn't keep dating these guys that are actually like serial killers <laughs> and the rest of the bullshit you're you know look if if they look like me you're probably gonna catch them if they look like jeffrey jeffrey not jeffrey Dahmer, what was the uh ted Bundy? not ted bundy who was the one the one serial killer that they said was always so handsome. Like if they look like one of them, you just kind of miss it. Like, Oh, I was, uh, yeah, I would think uh, Ted Bundy is on him. Who was it? It's it's the other one. It's um, Rich, not Richard Ramirez. Was it Richard Ramirez? No, he was the, the strangler. God, see, I, I even know these things that I know, like all these. I can't remember. If you hadn't have asked me, I could have thrown it right. out there. But you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, give me a break. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, and look, and Lisa's talking about helping to solve one of these. Did you watch yeah. the documentary about where they caught the guy who was drowning the cat? Like it started with the cat drowning videos. It's on Netflix. And it, no, um, wait, a, I saw the Craigslist killer. That's not that, is it? Uh, is so it something? This one, this one started off with this like complete whack job, uh -huh. and he was drowning cats. Oh, and, God. Well, that's heart wrenching. From him doing that, though, yes. these internet sleuths were able to like dig into his IPs, figure stuff out. Well, mm -hmm. and they created groups of people that were like, "Hey, we'll go track him down." What they didn't know was he had created two personas, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. him, that were in these groups that were tracking what they were doing. Then they oh. finally figured that out that he was actually following them within their own groups. And he ended up killing, he was killing people. He was up in Canada. Somebody will remember it. It was like, um, it, it was one of those ones that came out towards the start of uh, 2020 during mm -hmm. the time that shall not be mentioned, the pandemic during COVID. <laughs> and, oh God, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Sean, they could catch you with, dude, they could catch me with a bottle of bourbon. Good shit too, though. Like don't come to me <laughs> with some bullshit. But um but like it was how they did it. And that was just like you're saying, like people were infatuated and the police were even like, you guys need to stop. You're not police. You can mess up the evidence. And this dude's going to kill one of you. Like they ended up finding that like one of them was like the dude found out where they were at and followed them. Mm -hmm. Like leaving, oh, excuse me, was leaving notes and stuff. So what, but if somebody was interested in, mm -hmm. in this and, you have a very personal connection to the, to the first story. 
um, and, and being connected to Bob and, and everything that went on there and, you know, and being connected with the fact that, um, you know, you were related in this way, but what would you say to somebody, you know, if they were like, Hey, I want to, I want to do this, or maybe they just have a book in general. I I'm always fascinated by writing process, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and what would you say to somebody that said, Hey, I need a process. I need a way of doing this. Well, the first thing I would suggest doing if, you know, do your research, learn as much about it as you can talk to individuals, see if there's any newspaper clippings, whatever you have to do. Um, you know, when I first started this, I reached out to the FBI for the FOIA records. That's the open records, right? Well, it can take them anywhere from six months to a year, maybe up to two years, depending on um, how far back the case goes, how how backlogged they are. So if you are seriously wanting to get some records about a case and you're wanting to get all sides of it, I would contact them first and see if there's anything that they have available that you can get. Because while you're waiting for that to come, you can do other things. Um, as far as the writing process for me, what I did was I just I started writing. I started interviewing people. I talked to individuals. I went to courthouses. Um, I had to dig through records. I had to reach out, make phone calls, um, and, and see if I could get all kinds of information. You know, I became friends with individuals in law enforcement, my local police department. Um, something else I did when I was writing, I asked if I could observe the 911 call center because I wanted to see how they operated. You know, I wanted to understand their process. Um, just kind of implant yourself in places where you're around other people who are familiar with crime. Maybe see if you could, I mean, maybe meet with a detective, see if there's a local detective you could talk to um, in your town or even a private investigator or just someone, someone you could get familiar with and kind of learn their process. That's what I did when I was telling the story because mine is so detailed. Yeah. And, this is different. And, and you just kind of reminded me of something. This mm-hmm. is very different. If somebody's interested in writing like this, this isn't, oh, I've got an idea of, you know, a group of kids that, you know, rescue an alien and then, you know, take them to Las Vegas and win a million dollars, you know, to save the town. This isn't a story like that where you can just make up the details as you're going along. These right. are lives. These are real people. These are real situations. Mm-hmm. So this is truly, you know, you're getting into that investigative journalism piece to all of it. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, I also had to get a literary attorney to watch everything I was oh, really? doing. Now, what I did. I've heard of that. I, that so, I've never even heard. So it's it's an attorney that basically oversees any type of literary work. So for authors, musicians, um, any kind of artist, um, they step in and they oversee everything you're doing just to protect you. Um, what what I did because I was writing people's names in the book. You know, I'm telling the story of real people. I wanted to make sure I was protected. So I had to have a form that my, it was a legal form that my attorney drew up for me. So when I would, before I would go into an interview, I would have the individual sign it, giving me permission that everything they're telling me I can use in the book. 
So you have to protect yourself. Make sure, you know, I know, I know it's kind of costly, um, but it's worth reaching out depending on the story you're writing. Make sure that what you're writing, you, you have the rights to the story. You can get the rights. See, I have the rights to the story about Bob. Um, I'm also his power of attorney. Everything I wrote is public information, but there is some, inf there is some stuff in the book that is not public information. And, and I could write about it because I have the rights to the story. Have you been reached out to by any studio? I want to know studios, anybody like that reached out to you and said, Hey, we were interested in this story. Not yet. When I first started this um, story, um, I'd had a few individuals and I was, I was writing, I was still working on it at the time. I had a few individuals reach out to me and say, would you be interested in this? And I said, no, um, I wanted to tell the story. It was so important for me to get the book out there first. You know, I didn't want somebody to just take it, buy it and let it sit somewhere. So right, die on the vein on a vine somewhere that, that never happened. Hey, yeah. excuse, excuse me for one second. I okay, got, sure. I've got to get a, my cat is like, he must be hungry because he never <laughs> bothers me unless he is. And he's standing. Do you hear the stuff falling in the back? Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's because I had an extra set of headphones sitting there and the asshole just went like, <laughs> that's what you get. <laughs> this is what I get. But so, so again, uh, folks, make sure you're going on to, to pepperannauthor.com. And remember, Anne has an E at the end of it. The book is the No, Tex no, no Texas, the Notorious <laughs> Texas Swindler. Uh, check out Bob's story. And again, if you just want to find out more about Pepper Ann, it's at Pepper Ann on your social media. She's active on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Check out what, what she's got going on, what's happening for her. It, there's more to this story. We're just scratching the surface of what's in that book. We really, you know, we didn't even get too much into the whole larceny piece. That That's a whole nother thing. That that happened. You heard that, right? Like, yes, yes. He, he's literally on top of the bar right now, just knocking things over. Like, you're not paying attention to me at this moment. I'll go ahead and knock your stuff around. <laughs> so, so please make sure you're you're checking out what Pepper Ann's got going on, seeing the these stories, reaching out if you have any further questions. Uh, at, as always, you know, we're here at the Above the Bar podcast every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're finding us through Pepper Ann. This may sound very cliche, but I say it every week. Take a moment, like us on whatever social media that you're you're listening to this on and you're watching us live and following us. Then take a moment and go on to Spotify. Go on to Apple. Give us a five-star rating. Give us give us a nice comment. That's how people find Pepper Ann's story. That's how people find the notorious Texas swindler. That's how they locate these things because that's the way the algorithms work. The more stars, the more likes, the more follows, the more comments that pushes the algorithm. And if you are anywhere involved in any kind of marketing, you know that Google has just changed their platform and got rid of Google advertising three, and now it's gone to four and it's a totally different platform. So your, your comments and everything matter in these, in these pieces. Uh, also for next, next week, um, Nate and Pepper Ann will be very, or not Pepper. Well, you'll be happy. I hope you'll be happy, Pepper Ann. I actually meant to say Lisa Marie. Brandon uh, Crody, who was supposed to be on a few weeks ago, 
We're back to talking about ghosts next week. Maybe they, you know, some ghosts there, Pepperman. Okay. Maybe I can write a story about it. <laughs> write a story about it. We're, we're back to talking about hauntings in Maryland and paranormal investigations next week. So make sure you join us 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, this is going to, I'm telling you, I knew you'd be happy, Lisa. This is what's <laughs> going on. Now, don't log off after we're done here, Pepperan, because we got to talk for a moment. But as the rules on, on the show go, it's very simple. At the end of every show, the guest always gets the final word. So what's the final word for us tonight? <clears throat> well, the final word, I just want to say, if you are looking for something exciting to read, um, this is the book. It's about a man who escaped jail twice and wrestled millions of dollars worth of cattle, was involved in a shootout. And I've never seen Yellowstone. I've heard of, there are a lot of people love it. I've never seen it, but... This has got to be better than Yellowstone. This is real life. <laughs> well, alrighty, folks, be sure to push your stool in. This has been an Earplug Podcast presentation found on EarplugPodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.